Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Pete Waltz. Today's a special day. It's Tuesday, and on the Employment Matters podcast, that means Travel Tuesday, where each week we get the chance to dial in our lawyers from around the world who get to share with us some of the important things we need to know about doing business in their jurisdiction. Today, we're going to be learning more about doing business in Germany. I'm pleased to welcome Daniel Hund, a partner at Avant Biden, to the show. Daniel, how are you today? Hey, Peter. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to our conversation today. So Germany, I mean, we know Germany from anywhere in the corner of the world, you know, from when I visit my Oktoberfest here in Philadelphia to when I think about all the things that have happened through history and technology and finance. But let's kind of just give our audience a general overview of what the jurisdiction is like in general, maybe a little about the economy, the population, government structure, stuff like that. Okay, great. Happy to do it. Well, when it comes to economy, I think uh, most people know that we're one of the largest economies in the world. What people maybe don't know is that our GDP is almost $4 trillion. And we have 80 million citizens in this country. And um, for the purpose of this podcast, I actually really looked it up. We have almost 25% of citizens who have a migrational background, which I find very interesting. This includes people who actually acquired the German citizenship and people who don't have it yet. And this also has some impact on the demographics because we're quite old society. Our average age is almost 45 years. At least this has been the number in 2019. And when it comes to people who are non-German citizens, the average age is around about 35. And after having received more and more people with a non-German background in recent years, this has significantly lowered our average age, which is a great thing for our economy, of course. Because I think, you know, the older a society, the less capable of changing, of adapting it becomes. And uh, of course, it's also a thing that has to do with pension system in Germany. We have a statutory pension system, a very direct pension system where almost everybody has to pitch in. And of course, such a system depends very much on a somehow healthy age structure, so to say. Governmental-wise, we are a parliamentary democracy, as we call it meaning our head of the government, the chancellor, the Bundeskanzler, is not elected directly by the people, as the president is in the United States. In contrast, it's elected by a parliament. And the Germans only have the chance to elect the German parliament every four years. They elect the Bundeskanzler. And typically, no party gets the majority in order to elect the Bundeskanzler. This is what recently happened. We have a new chancellor. And there is a coalition of three parties, the Social Democrats, who are the strongest parties in this coalition, um, the so-called liberals, as we call it. But they're not liberals in the sense of the United States, for instance. They're more pro-business kind of guys. And the Green Party, who is mainly a party that bases on the idea that sustainability, ecology, and so on is important. Language-wise, it's pretty straightforward. In Germany, people speak German, at least to the most part. And of course, various dialects we have here. So let's talk about the industries. And again, I, I think of the BMW that my wife drives. I think of pharmaceuticals. I think of lots of different things. But lay them out for us if you can. What are the key industries in Germany? 
You already mentioned two, right? I mean, the BMW, that's the automotive industry, very important branch of our industry here. There are other brands as well. Everybody knows Mercedes, I assume. We have other powerful brands like Audi. And don't forget the supplier industry that is around this, right? And all the service providers who actually depend on this industry. So this is a really big thing in Germany. And of course, this industry undergoes a lot of changes. They're challenged by companies like Tesla. So this is a big challenge to our economy. And then we have pharmaceutical, as you said. A very big part is also machinery. And what is interesting, I think, is that 80% of the workplaces are provided by so-called medium-sized companies, right? As we call it, the Mittelstand in German. And those are not the very big brands like BMW or Audi. Of course, they have a lot of employees too. But uh, there are sometimes companies with like two, three, four hundred people and employees. and, and, And those are the main employers in Germany, which makes it also an interesting target group, of course, for employment lawyers. So let's talk about employing locally in Germany. I'm a company from the US or or maybe Latin America, and I've decided I'm going to open up operation, maybe a retail store or or some other kind of facility in Germany. What are some of the key structural issues I'm going to need to know about when employing locally? Are there works councils or unions, or do you have any kind of equal opportunity regulations? Fill us in on that if you can. All of it, Peter. We have all of it. <laughs> but it sounds maybe worse than it is from an employer perspective. It is certainly important to know that our employment market is highly regulated. For instance, when it comes to individual employees, most of those actually enjoy, as we call it, general termination protection, meaning if they have been with a company for more than six months in an operation with more than 10 FTEs, so full-time employment equivalents, you can't easily let them go anymore, right? You need a justifying reason as an employer an operational reason or business reason or personal reason or misconduct, for instance, those are justifying reasons under the relevant statute. And this is important to know, of course. The good news is, in theory, you can hardly terminate people. In practice, 99% of those termination cases, as we litigate them all the time, are being solved by way of a settlement, meaning the employee eventually, sooner or later, accepts the termination if the employer is willing to pay, as we call it, a severance, right? Some kind of compensation for the loss of employment. From the collective labor law perspective, you already mentioned it, we have works councils in Germany. A works council, yeah, how can we describe it for people who have not experienced anything like that so far? Well, from a U.S. perspective, I'd say they are quite similar to unions. There are representatives of the employee in a certain company. They don't have to be union members. And at least in theory, the unions have not really much to do with the works council. So the employees, the workforce, they elect their representatives and they then represent the employees towards the management. And they have actually quite extensive powers in the company. So once you have a work council in place, you're not really the only one who makes decisions anymore. And that can be very, very strange from an outsider's perspective, of course. So that's the work council. Important to know is that work councils don't have to exist in every company, but in companies with more than five employees, um, employees can choose to elect one, right? And typically, 
every bigger company has a works council or various works councils at certain locations and sites. So this is really something an employer has to be aware of when he invests in Germany or she invests, invests in Germany. We have also unions, but unions have a different role than, for instance, in the US. Unions are more in charge of sectors, of whole branches, and they somehow negotiate wages, for instance, for certain sectors, especially the automotive industry is a part of our industry, of our economy, where unions are very strong. But they typically don't really interfere with internal issues and internal operational questions of the companies, with some exceptions, I'd say. Well, we have also kind of uh, regulation when it comes to anti-discrimination, age discrimination. This is more or less a statute that's in the books, but not so much relevant in practice. We have much more practical issues with, as I said, termination protection or also temporary employment, at least employees. This is stuff that is highly regulated in Germany. And this is something that can bug many employers if they do business in Germany. So let's then kind of summarize the climate, if we could. Again, we a lot of business going on in Germany, but yet there's a lot of protections there as well. So in your opinion, Daniel, is the general business climate leaning more pro-business or leaning back more pro-employee? Well, I think, Peter, this depends a little from which perspective you're looking at, right? If you ask the average employer in Germany, he'd say, okay, this is not a pro-business country. The experience is very often, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that, and I have to ask my lawyer for that, and employees are highly protected. Yeah, that's true. And if you compare it with countries like uh, the UK or the US, it's definitely not as pro-business as those countries. On the other hand, if you have experiences in other European countries, for instance, in France and Italy, that's what people tell me, then Germany suddenly doesn't appear to be that bad anymore for uh, employers. So in a nutshell, I'd say we're somewhere in the middle between the UK on the one hand, or the Netherlands, for instance, and France and Italy, for instance, on the other hand. And people like me actually try to help employers navigate through the pitfalls of statutes and laws and with the right lawyer on your side, I think you can, you can handle those issues. That's actually the most important message I'd like to send today. I think that's a good one. One that we at the ELA try to underscore as often as we can. Good <laughs> lawyer, good results. Let's talk about migration now, employee migration, business migration, expatriates moving across and working in other parts of the world. So what are the prospects for cross-border business opportunities in Germany? And follow that up if you can with where we are with immigration standards now. We understand, you know, as a member of the EU, you've got free movement of people. But let's say I'm from another region of the world. Do I have any opportunities in visas or special programs I'd need to know about? Yeah, there are special programs. And there is really a lot of various programs and regulations in place. And I spare you the details. But as you already mentioned, if you're from a non EU or non-EU affiliated country, then it's not completely easy to work in Germany. What I can stretch is that if you have an academic degree as an employee who is recognized in Germany as a serious academic degree, and if you have the opportunity to work in Germany and earn something between 50 and 60,000 euros per year, 
then you have a great chance to get a permit, as we call it, the blue card. And the blue card is a European, actually, program and is determined mostly by the national statutes. But anyway, if you can apply under those requirements for a blue card, then you can up to a, a period of currently four years for the first permit work in Germany. And then, of course, there is the opportunity to get this prolonged. But one thing that has quite significant impact on, on our labor market is that there is no indefinite permit, right? So it's quite difficult sometimes to find talent abroad the European Union and convince them to completely pack their things, move to Germany, and then stay there for only four years, right? And after four years, if the permit is not prolonged, you have to tell them, okay, you have to go back, right? And who is willing to take those risks? This is a big question. And our new government has now decided to do something against this and to actually lower the requirements to migrate to Germany and to work there. We have also for expats regulations in place. So if you're an expat and you're sent from your headquarter in the US or Latin America or wherever to the subsidiary in Germany, then you can do this for up to two years at first. And such assignment has to last at least 90 days. And if that's the case with you, you can actually get a work permit in Germany as well. But this also only applies for employees within one group of companies. And we also have a similar thing in place when it comes to top executives, CEOs. They can similarly work in Germany for up to two years at first, and this permit can also be prolonged. So much maybe about the, the immigrational part. And of course, and I want to add, there is a lot of cross-border business going on, right? There are a lot of companies who send people to Germany and uh, German companies who send people abroad. And this is what we do on a daily basis here to advise those companies in terms of applicable laws, right? Immigrational laws, social security issues, tax issues. And there are easy cases, but in some cases, it's really, really complicated. And in this regard, it's very important to have decent legal counsel. Sounds great, Daniel. Well, a complete story, certainly, but much more to come. I'm sure there's so many things happening in the world today, but Germany is right up there in the front of it with so many things happening globally that it's going to be exciting times. And again, we appreciate all of your help and counsel as we send clients your way. Thanks a lot for your time today. Thank you so much, Peter. Always a pleasure. If you'd like to connect with Daniel Hund, you can find him on the ELA website in the Find a Lawyer tool, which is on the homepage. Also, you can click on his name in the description of this podcast. Please visit ela.law to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers, get access to on-demand content from our online library, or use the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Pete Waltz. Thanks for listening.